0: Hello. Hello. Hi. 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 We're all saying hi. 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 This, hi. Is, this is a different format than we usually do, so we don't have we don't have an intro here. No. I'm gonna say what's up. Hey Ben. What's up? Hey. Hi. Hey. This is <laughs> this is a form of blank check, a podcast about filmographies. Mm-hmm. I'm Griffin. David. Uh, here's here's the thing we haven't really done. A supplementary episode? Yes. An appendix? I guess Alex Ross Perry called in with the Jason Schwartzman Memories of Nora Ephron's Bewitched. Sure. Which we then tacked onto the episode. Uh, sure. That was a similar format, but not done by us. Uh, we outsourced that. Mm. Um, but, but a big movie we have recorded an episode about. It was presented to us the opportunity to speak to one of the stars, one of the Academy Award-nominated stars, nominated for this performance in this movie.
1: Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Did you get a good
0: email? Congratulations. No, I'm waiting for you to wrap up. Well, that's this the intro. name of Ben's clothing line.
2: Yeah, it's oh um, congratulations. Got all kinds of different designs available now at congratulations.com. Do you know this,
0: Amy? Ben has a clothing line.
3: I did not know this.
2: It's yeah, good. I, I've got uh, various different designs, T-shirt designs, some accessories, buried jeans. Um
3: Buried jeans?
2: Correct. Oh, here we go. Dig in. Feel free to so, dig into this. What Amy. is well,
3: buried jeans? So, Great
2: question. I decided why not manipulate jeans naturally? So I buried jeans in the ground, therefore, like basically letting the earth distress them.
3: And does that work?
2: It did work.
3: What does it look like? I mean, it like? made them
2: dirty. Two out of you You're
3: <laughs> not talking like stonewashed look.
2: No, beyond that. That's really, that. A, no, that's really beyond a, that.
3: a throwback we don't need to go back to.
1: So you're anti-distressed jeans generally. Anti-
3: no, I, you know what? I don't want... I'd like to make my own holes.
0: Yeah. Well, well, right. this is kind of the philosophy, right? Is that there's there's a an intellectual dishonesty to the fake, manufactured, corporatized... Distressed jeans, and Ben said, "Let the earth distress them." Yeah.
3: And so, what does it look like when it comes? Do you have a picture?
0: I sure do.
2: I can show uh, me after. Yeah, I'll show you after. I actually 3D scanned them, so you can get the full
0: scope. Of this it. is all real. This so, is all all very much real.
3: So, if I have a copy machine, you can just send me one, and I can put it on.
0: I could print that kind them for of thing. You. Is that
3: what yes. you mean? But I mean, I could do?
2: print a, a little figurine if you if you'd like. Oh no, yeah,
3: I don't. I, don't. I, I wanted to wear them.
2: Oh, I see. If well, I
3: like them, I want to wear them. They're available. There's, there's oh, wait. a picture. Oh, ew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Glad I got that reaction on Mike. Also just to be clear. That's
3: like Day of the Dead.
0: <laughs> just to be clear, he buried three pairs. One pair was unsalvageable. That's true. They, it was too deep into the ground, so they
2: uh, kind of disintegrated. Yeah. But wow. you know, it's a learning process. Like I'm I'm, you know, I'm only just getting started here.
3: Have you got backers?
2: <laughs> no,
0: no one would back this. Um, this podcast back away. is kind of the backer.
3: <laughs> I would uh, unwittingly. Have you got any other ideas?
2: Uh, yeah, Are you, you're F Murray oh, Abraham. Oh, and, I uh, do. I have inside Lou and Dave. I don't see a lot of money. Another <laughs> concept I have is I want to come up with like a moth box where I put clothing into it. Let the moths chew them up a little bit and then take it out after a period of time. That's another sort of concept that I've been thinking of.
0: I should be clear. He has like 20 products on his site right now. Most of them are not eaten. Yeah, by he mostly just makes elements really of nature. Fun okay, clothes. but if
3: you do the moth thing, you know you're gonna have to come up with something wonderful for underneath whatever that thing mm. is because Layers. the moth won't know not to bite the nipple.
0: Good point. Mm. Incredibly good point. Yeah. Thank that's you. true. Okay.
2: Well, you know, it's all about layering. So, I'll try and come up with something to to pair
0: with the the whole I look forward close. Ben,
3: to seeing what you come up with. Amy I Irving is here
0: that, Amy. in the studio. Hi. Star of Yentl.
3: No, well, not the star, but co-star, yeah, co-star of
0: Yentl. Oscar nominated co-star of Yentl. I'm trying to think. Could we talked about on this podcast we've done Roger Rabbit, which you did the singing voice for.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anything else oh in in Amy's filmography uh, it's a good
0: question have we covered any other we haven't done De Palma no we'd love to do De Palma you'd love to do De Palma I would love to do De Palma it'd be fun right we haven't done Soderbergh no.
3: Jeez, who have you done? Well, you see, the I problem with De Palma and
0: Soderbergh is we a do every films. movie, and right. those guys those are, are prolific.
1: Format. It's a lot of movies. Yeah. It's like half the year with
0: either of them. Barbara you know, was especially very easy. Soderbergh. It's three. It's just like, you toss up three. I
3: think you're the only one who's ever said, Barbara was very easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know,
0: we put Joan Micklin Silver on a bracket we did. once. I'd love to do her. I'd like to put her on again. Did uh, we put her on or are we about to put her on?
1: Maybe we're about to
0: put her I on. I think again. we're about to put her on. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Uh, no, I'm not sure we've ever covered any of your other work, but we should. Are you, it hurts my
3: feelings that you haven't even gone there yet. We're digging in. Oh, There's A lot of movies okay. in the world. We're starting. I'm here.
1: This is the new. Better era.
3: hurry. I'm getting old. We're
1: leveling up. <laughs> we could do the Carrie series on Patreon because <laughs> you're could. in Carrie too, as well, right? Oh, please. I'm sorry to bring I don't it up. Know. I, I... I've never
3: seen it. I was hoping they'd cut me out. <laughs>
1: and you're are you not are you not playing the same character or are you? I've never seen the Rage character. I think two. it's the same.
3: It character.
0: is the same character. I can't. I couldn't you remember. Yeah.
3: Older and uglier. <laughs> Come on,
0: this you made. The story is that you agreed to do that movie as a favor for your other son, right? Your son Gabriel, who's who's a friend of ours, is here in the studio. Helped negotiate this happening. Isn't the story that you that he begged you to do Carrie too? Or am I getting this wrong?
3: Is that true, Gabe? Max did, yeah. Because I had done, and I had to do something for you too. Alias. I did Alias for you well, and Carrie 2 for Max.
1: Yeah. The alias
0: is good.
3: Yeah, you win, Gabe.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm not throwing handmakers at Max, gave <laughs> Gabe maybe has But the thing is, Brian
3: De, Palma also, Brian De Palma also gave me, w- encouraged me to do Carrie 2.
0: Oh, but oh, yeah, really? but he didn't show up. Yeah, we no, for he, him he, to he, say.
3: No, but he was always very protective of me okay. and cared about me. And when I was on the fence about whether I should do it, I went to him and we talked about it and I gave him the script. And at the time... We like the director. Female the director, director right? Sure. Catcher. Well, that wasn't the director.
1: Oh, when I agreed to do director. the film, it was another
3: director. I'm not going to go. I won't go back. No, no, that no, sure. We, know.
1: You're definitely not here to talk about the rage Carry okay, too. Yeah. I mean, you can if you I want. I don't
3: want to talk about <laughs> it. I don't. You clearly I'm, don't. I'm sorry. Talk about I it. ever made that film.
0: Okay, wow. but the, at the moment Tough. you agreed to it. Except maybe they
3: paid me a shitload. Of well, money. well, then hey. all right.
0: Hey, because like no one ever saw it anyway. So <laughs> you know the Michael the Michael Caine joke about Jaws: The Revenge. What? It's a great joke. Where he said, "I haven't seen the movie. By all accounts, it was terrible. But I have seen the house it built, and by all accounts, it's lovely." <laughs>
3: exactly. I, f- I feel the same. I'm going right. I I chapeau Michael Caine.
0: Gentle um, is it fair to say was a like a big a big turning point movie for you? You had done a lot of work up until that point already. You had an established career, but certainly like getting an Oscar nomination has to be a huge thing.
3: Yes, yes. It was a big thing. I remember I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico in my little Mickey Mouse house. It's a Mickey Mouse house because on an architectural plan, it looks like Mickey Mouse. I had these little turrets going up and this roundhouse. It was Ooh. very sweet. Um, and I am I was up there by myself that morning. I wasn't even... You know, I know that a lot of actors, they sit around waiting to see if they got nominated or they, they watch the morning or right. whatever. I so had no... It, uh, uh,
1: you weren't like uh, today's anxiety. Oscar nomination morning. I'll wait no, by the phone. I, I like, had no idea it was
3: even happening. Right. You yeah. know? Uh, uh, I, I would never expect it from the role anyway. And uh, I was with my dog Sapphire at the time. And uh, I remember my agent called me and said, Are you sitting? And I, I, I sat and she told me. And I got up and jumped up and down for a while and yeah. uh, called my sister. And uh, who lived in Santa Fe who, who could come and jump up and down with me for a little bit. So yeah, it was a, it was pretty exciting. Here's
1: here's the thing I'm a, no David There's Price. less of an Oscar industry back well, then. It's not right. like you're getting like 18 calls beforehand of like, oh, you got this critic Oh, award, No, I didn't or,
3: have oh. to, I didn't have to work the right, room. You right. Yeah, yeah I you didn't, didn't have to didn't go have for to, four a months. Campaign, right.
1: No. You didn't get a Golden Globe nomination, not to bring up this horrible snub, but the so the you hadn't even gotten the warning, right? Right. Because there's that thing. You didn't.
3: Isn't that crazy? Incredibly rude. But Barbara did.
0: Barbara and Mandy both Barbara did. won Best Director.
3: Hey, you gotta spread the cheer, Oh, man. totally. Yeah,
0: that's true. But, but I think that was the thing. Barbara won Best Director from the Globes and then didn't get nominated. By the Oscars. Yes. Um, to David's point, it's like nowadays there are 70 awards that happen before the Oscar nominations. So you're maybe more aware if you're in the running or not.
3: Yeah, exactly. Whether
0: or not you're in a major film, you're like, okay, I've gotten five nominations so far. I might be in the mix.
3: Right. But if I didn't even get the Golden Globe nomination, I guess that's why I didn't Bother waking up for the kind of, right?
0: The one bellwether at that point, aside from like critics groups, SAG doesn't exist. There, they are far fewer uh, and things. And it
3: was, it was still considered a little bit of a joke at that time, wasn't it?
0: This is the thing we want to talk about because I want to make it clear: this <laughs> wildly pro-Yentl podcast. We think Yentl rules, but we're both guys who were not alive when this movie came out, right? And grew God, up in a world I'm sorry.
3: apologies. Wow. Oh, apologies. You weren't even alive. So just your son.
1: <sighs> well, I'm older than your son, to be clear.
3: That's right. Okay. You weren't alive either, were you, kids?
1: My parents were probably dating by the time Yentl came out. Like I was
0: I was I was only three years away. I don't know if that makes from, it better. I mean okay. my parents were dating when Yentl comes out. This is, we can all play this game.
3: <laughs> the fact is. You weren't born
0: yet. That's right. right. I'm born in 86. Film is 84. We we talk a lot about this movie's weird reputation, like it's its cultural legacy as like a joke. Is this movie for real or not? Right. And certainly we've like dug into when it was coming out, that was the attitude it was met with. But also, we're born into a world where even though Yentl had come out, was a hit, got good notices. Was it a hit? It was. Did you not perceive it as a hit at the time? Or did you I not never really care? I attention. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I right.
3: never know how much anything makes. I never know if it's big or small. I know when I get recognized a little bit more or whatever for sure. something. But I don't pay attention. What do
1: you that. mostly get recognized for? I would guess. Hmm.
3: Crossing to Lancy, I think.
1: Well, you're the star of that, I guess, as well. Like, that's yeah, right. I, yeah.
0: I, I got the poster on that you one. You got the poster. You sure did. Yeah. The poster's like, your face, too. It's, 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 it's all Amy. Yeah. It's like 90% Amy, 10% Peter Rieger. Rieger's like in tiny. the corner.
3: Rieger, yeah. Rieger,
0: Rieger sorry. sorry. Um, Yentl made lots of money, to be right. clear. And yeah, it was, it was a it was a big hit. In the moment of its release, there was a certain degree of, like, Streisand silenced her critics. And then by the time we're born, it's already, like, Yentl's kind of a punchline again. And not even, like, a punchline as, like, the movie's a joke, but it's, like, very easy to joke about the movie. Because if you look at the elements on paper, this is what we love about it, by the way. If you look at the elements on paper, you're like, this movie should not work. Fundamentally, this is an unmakeable film. Right. You got a, you know,
1: early 40s Barbra Streisand basically playing a teenager, right? Like, you know, it's a musical, but only she sings. Like these things that are like, well, that that doesn't make sense. You wouldn't like, I don't know. That's why Yentl's so good, though. I mean, in my opinion.
0: I agree. And I cited on, on the episode, not knowing at the time if you were going to come on or not. so I swear I'm not just saying this to butter you up, but I do think your performance is really key to the movie working because of how genuinely I buy your love and attraction to Yentl.
3: Yeah, that was important.
0: The sensitivity of it. Like, you, you look at Yentl as a character in a way that I think makes the audience accept this this could happen. Like, she could pass. Everyone would accept this. Right, right, right. You know, because there's a certain amount of theatrical suspension and disbelief in the movie. Barbara's not wearing, like, a fake beard, right? And she's not doing, like, an extreme voice or anything. There's just a bit of, Barbara Streisand cut her hair, put a yarmulke on, and everyone's going to accept that she's a teenage boy. It's a wig. In the reality of the movie. But, like, the character, I'm saying... Mm. I think most people wouldn't fall for the Yentl ruse in reality. But in the movie, the way you look at her, I'm like, I believe it.
3: Yeah, you know, um, you may, if you skip the filmography and go to the biography, you'll notice that um, I marry directors.
0: I have noticed that.
3: And I got to say, her being the director, automatically, she would be uh, someone I would be respectful of and... Probably attracted to anyway
0: interesting
2: because
3: I just am I'm in awe of people who can direct because I can't. Mm. When I read a script, I don't have this right you don't ho- see how it looks in your head vision of how it should be done, and I wish I had a talent like that because it looks, except I don't like the hours of the directors. <laughs> <laughs> but um but I do uh, uh, my father was a director, mm-hmm. Um, I was in love with my father, mm-hmm. and I tend to be in love with directors. I'm married to a director now. My first two husbands were directors. Um, I've deviated a few times, but uh, basically, uh, my first love was a theater director. Uh, uh, so, for my director to be my gentle, my my co-star and the and and the woman, I, uh, the man I'm supposed to be in love with, um, it just kind of there it was works a, for me. A you know, I just uh, you know, I I flirted with her. I I I was. Like I flirt with my directors anyway, so
1: she's the first woman who directed you in a film, at least from your filmography that I can tell. I think you
0: had only—I think so. I mean, obviously, there weren't a lot, lot of women I've making movies. I've a
3: lot of women, but she was the first. Yeah, right. I guess so.
0: Um, Wait a minute. Are we forgetting one?
3: I don't know. I always forget.
0: Them.
1: Well, like for your filmography, this is just films, obviously—not theater you. or TV. You just—you got *Carrie* and *The Fury* with Brian De Palma, the great. You got *Voices* with. Um, Robert, Robert Markowitz. Markowitz. You have uh, Honeysuckle Rose with Chatsburg, right? right? and the the competition with Joel Oleanski mm-hmm. not a film I know. Should I check it out? I don't know that movie
3: well, there's some nice Dreyfuss. things about it. Okay. I like it. Richard Dreyfus and myself. We play a uh, 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 concert pianists in competition. and uh, Lee Ramick is his teacher. You know, there's some nice people I love in it. Lee Sam Ramley. Wanamaker. It's a nice film.
1: Um, and then you take a three-year break between that and Yentl, or at least there's three years in between those two movies, uh, Yentel and The Competition. Yentl, darling. Mm. You trod yes. the boards. After,
3: after my first five films, I was feeling unsatisfied because I grew up in the theater and I trained to be a stage actress. I trained for four years, three years in London, a year in San Francisco. I just, I love the theater. It's mm-hmm. part of my makeup. I feel, I think my most comfortable place in the world is in a dressing room in a theater. It feels like home. Because uh, mom and dad didn't want um, to be away from us three kids growing up. So they would bring us all to the theater every night. And uh, I would either fall asleep in mom's dressing room or in the wardrobe department. Or mom would put us in the second row center and watch all three of us fall asleep as she's playing Kate in Taming of the Shrew or Masha whatever. So, I mean, that's how I grew up. So the theater is some and I was really after the competition, I was feeling I needed to get back on the stage. And I did nine months in Amadeus. with oh, wow. Ian McKellen and Peter Firth. And... Uh,
0: <laughs> so McKellen was Salieri? Yeah. Yeah. He must yeah. have phoned that in, right? I can't imagine <laughs> that guy fitting. Was he like unreal to watch work? He was.
3: He was awesome.
0: Yeah. He seems like one of those guys who can just like truly turn it on. On a dime yeah. and no, suddenly tap into like the most dramatic depths. Yeah.
3: No, he's very technically proficient and brilliant and smart and and you know he knows his stuff. Uh, it was it was quite a privilege to be on the stage with him.
1: He won the Tony for that, I remember. And Tim Curry was the original. Tim Curry Mozart, was the
3: original right. and Jane Seymour and then Peter right. Firth and I. Uh, Jane got pregnant very early on in the run. So They replaced uh, her, and I guess, I don't know why, Tim left with her and Peter Firth and I went in. And
1: Peter Firth had already done Equus, I'm assuming. Yes,
3: and he was uh, Peter Schaffer's uh, friend. Do
1: you still know him? Yes. He's the best. I I mean, I don't know him as a person. I love him. He had this whole late run in Britain. I grew up in Britain um, on this show called Spooks. It was called Spooks in Britain. It's called MI5 here or whatever. He's the boss so good night. He's very good night. And it was one of those things where it's like, it's Peter Fur, He's kind of, you know, like, he's people back.
3: Don't, people don't know him uh, at all. And he's so great. Um, Amadeus, I used to sit on the side of the stage and just watch him perform every night just because he was so amazing to watch.
0: Well, if you're like in a place where you're getting frustrated with film, you want to go back to theater. That's basically the best production you could have jumped into at that point sure. in time. When you're in this headspace, are you thinking I might be done with film forever? I I prefer theater. I want to go back to that, or was it more of a I need to reconnect with theater, recharge, and wait to see if something actually calls me?
3: Well, I think I was so happy to be back on the stage that when I guess eight months into the run, I got offered Yentl and I turned it down.
0: Wow! Oh, wow!
3: Yeah, and I said I'm so happy to be back on the stage. Uh, the character was a body woman, and I, I, you know, to play a sweet young thing in a movie just didn't excite me. Yeah, and that's how it came off on the. Uh, that's what it seemed to me was another sweet young thing, and I knew I could do that standing on my head, and I liked the challenge, so I turned it down.
1: So right, so then how does it come back around to you? Did they like? Wh- why did you end up doing Antel?
3: Uh, well. One of my friends on the show was very angry at me because he was a big fan of Barbara's. And she'd
1: been trying to make this movie for years at this point already, right. And
3: she asked me, would I come up to her Upper West Side apartment and sit down with her? Hell yeah.
0: How long after turning it down do you think this is? Because the movie was in development for so long. Was this pretty shortly after or was this like...
3: That she came back to me? To, yeah. No, right away. Right, right away.
0: Right. Okay, right away. She's basically she, all sweater in person. All, well. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. She, you know, Barbara knows what she wants and she goes after it. I just, I admire her so much for that. Uh, but she uh, had me over and I'm sitting in her apartment and she very passionately discussed her dream. Right. And asked me to be a part of her dream. And it's really hard to say no to that. There,
1: there's no way I could possibly say no well, to that. Well, it's right. not just
3: that it was Barbra Streisand. It's just, you know, the sensibility of working with someone who in on that level of, of care and the heart was so in it that that's the kind of people I wanted to work with. You know, it just it just it was
0: impossible to say no. Also, what you're saying of, you know, feeling I've played this type of part before. It doesn't feel challenging to me on paper. You can get pigeonholed so easily as an actor, even more the more successful you are. And you had sort of such a a straight, like, launch. You jumped into movies in the deep end and were, like, really hitting. And then, yeah, it sounds like got frustrated with the limitations, the repetition, whatever it is. So if you're just reading it on paper, you're like, this is someone being lazy, wanting to see me do the same thing I've done before. It's a second thought. If someone is really explaining the passion and the thought and the vision of it to you, where it's not just you're a color I can reach for, but this is specifically what I want out of you, that must land very differently.
3: Yeah, and also she was very flattering in that she was, you know, like, as far as men being attracted to this woman, she just thought, she she kept telling me you're like a, a dream Jewess, you know, <laughs> and uh, I, she just made me feel like I was uh, was going to appeal, and uh, uh, I, I wasn't brought up Jewish. I was brought up as a Christian Scientist, wow. not practicing. Okay, uh, but 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 Dad was a self hating Jew, and Mom was a Christian Scientist, so we didn't have any Jewish stuff in our house, so we didn't do, deal with Judaism at all. Um, I just played famous
0: Jewish characters. Here here are two things uh, <laughs> JJ, our researcher for the show, brought up that we talked about on, on the main episode that I want to ask you about. One is, and I know very often actors aren't necessarily super aware of who else was discussed for the role at some other point in time. I only ask you about this one because I know she's uh, one of your closest friends. In the research, JJ found that Streisand wanted Carol Kane to play the role at some point. Does that sound correct?
3: I imagine she yeah. would explore that idea if sure. she had done Hester Street, you know, it just makes right.
0: sense. That was that's how it was presented. Yeah, so so of, this is this is ten years of her trying to get this movie made. And coming off yeah. of Hester Street, it's, it felt like an obvious thing. But the two of you have never discussed that. No,
3: okay. I, I I actually didn't know I didn't know that she was I I mean, I imagine that Barbara considered a lot of different people.
1: I I think that's the sort of seventies version of this right. movie that she almost whatever put together and it would you know, this movie would keep kept falling apart on her, I think. Yes. Because the the, the financiers would eventually kind of be like, nah, you're too old or nah, like, you know, nobody wants to sit too Jewish, too. Right, you know, like all all the roadblocks you can imagine this movie facing.
0: Well, this I I I JJ can't be wrong on, but but you can push back on this. He found the Life magazine interview you did when this movie was coming out, Uh-oh. talking about your like uh, adoration for Streisand and how that like translated on camera, know, that see? she really kind of uh, uh, doted on you.
3: She doted on me?
0: Yes. You said I was like her little doll that she could dress up.
3: Yeah. I don't think that was so much doting. Yeah, it's just not- that uh, <laughs> it was a doll that she could like stand in front of the light and say, let's match the. Peaches to her lips, and you know she would like you'd be able to get little palettes and stuff, and you know colors and stuff that match the, the the wallpaper. You know I, that's what I meant as far as the doll. Sure.
0: Doting was my word uh, used incorrectly. I don't think she doted
3: on me, <laughs> but, but I know she did not dote.
0: Did on she me. dote on anybody,
1: or? What's she like as a director? I guess is the and yeah.
3: I don't think there was a uh, uh, yeah. Doting is do, doting is personal. I, I, I take it back. Like you kind of Struck make it, it sound like
1: maybe De Palma sort of doted on or was protective of you. You said like you know had a kind of
3: he cared about me. Right. We right, had or, we were friends. Right. Right. Barbara and I were not friends. In
0: this interview, you sort of imply that like because Streisand was not able to put the energy into the beautification of her own image in the movie in the same way she usually did a lot of that transferred onto you. Is that fair to say? The the skills she had learned in her career of like how to make Barbara Streisand look incredible on camera. And one of these movie stars we've talked about that even when she was acting like knew her lighting,
3: knew which side worked for her,
0: knew her lenses, knew how other people I not don't... only how she needed to perform but how the entire crew needed to work around her, and that she maybe put a lot of that same skill and knowledge onto you.
3: It's good, because I didn't have it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I was, she was like, yeah, she made, she was the first person that got me to change my hair color. She changed me to a redhead. I'd never colored my hair before. And suddenly I had henna in my hair. Mm. And uh, she she asked me to, um, in one scene she wanted me to be uh, crocheting a doily. So my last month on Amadeus, I'm backstage learning how to crochet doilies, and I made this one large doily. I was so proud of it, was a little flawed, and I gave it to her as a as a gift on our first day of shooting. And uh, I think she laughed at it, but oh uh, and then she handed me a a, a, a a sampler and said, "You know, I don't want you to be doing doilies. I want you to be doing samplers." And I, I didn't know how to do samplers. <laughs> so like I'm off I'm I'm on camera and I'm making worms in my picture. You have no idea. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. But um,
0: outside of crocheting, it, from the moment you have the meeting with her in her apartment you're in, right? You agree to do the movie from that point I on?
3: I did. She asked me to uh, cut my salary in half.
0: Okay. Because the movie
1: needed to be cheap. Like what's the I think they, they only
3: had a certain amount right. in the in the budget. And right. that's what she said. Would you do it for half your salary? And then, but then she said, also, if your voice is on the album,
0: right? You get because that. I talk,
3: then sure. you end up getting money from the album. But then she ended up
0: taking me off the album. Well, okay. I have several questions about this. <laughs> Was it frustrating to you? You're a wonderful singer. You you had an album come out. You're working on a second one right now. Uh, I saw you at City Winery earlier this year with friend of the podcast, Richard Lawson. and you destroyed. That, that's a good. Thank thing. you. Yes, incredible show. Did you feel frustrated being in a musical where you don't get to sing? And obviously it's not a pointed thing because she's the only one who sings.
1: Right, you're also Mandy Patinkin is there. He doesn't get to, you know, a lot of very talented singers are here.
3: Well, I didn't think of myself as a singer back then, but I do hum in one Mm -hmm. scene. Mm. And she dubbed my humming. Really?
1: Wow. Did she do it herself? For For what reason? It was was
3: her humming? (laughs) Absolutely. But I wasn't frustrated about that. I can tell you Mandy was frustrated sure. about that. And I understand. Mandy's got the most beautiful voice, you know?
0: So what was your, outside of crocheting, what was your prep process <laughs> from the moment?
3: Crocheting doilies. Crocheting different doilies. Than, yeah, it's a very specific You're not making art. a sweater.
0: You're making this tiny, intricate, like little you got pointless thing. to play with. Yeah, right. it's
3: very delicate work.
0: From the moment Stray Sand sells you on it to when the film starts filming, how long do you think that was? Did it come together pretty quickly at that point? I don't remember. Don't remember. We're
3: talking how long ago?
0: Apparently, production began
1: April 1982. I can tell you that much. You know uh, when I
3: closed in Amadeus? Great question. <laughs>
1: you know what? Look it up, that might be, be on IBDB. <laughs> you never know. Um, but what else Man, do you, you remember? You did The Coast of Utopia, right? Was that like the biggest pain <laughs> in the ass in the world? I mean, it's such a good play, but so long. So much talking. What was the question? I'm just just now looking at your Broadway credits that I've. Coast of Utopia. Coast of Utopia is
3: one of the most thrilling experiences of my life.
1: Yeah, it was.
3: It was you know Jack O'Brien, Tom Stoppard, that cast, that play. My favorite thing was uh, was marathon days where we'd start the play at eleven in the morning and finish it at eleven at night. We'd do all three with dinner and lunch breaks, and it was thrilling.
1: I saw it. All in one night, okay. uh, all in one day, I should say. Okay. Um, That's the way to see it. Yes, too. it was so cool. I was a teenager. I I was I didn't understand half of the Neither. history of Russian intellectuals, Neither. obviously, but I was like, what? I've never seen anything like this before. Uh, I can't find your run. All right, replacements. Here we go. Amy Irving doesn't give me your run dates. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What else do you, you were, remember? It does say that Jane Seymour got pregnant, and that's one reason she left the show.
3: I think I came in in winter.
0: Okay. So you'd probably, right. We're pretty close together. Right. What else was part of the prep process for you from the moment you get the parts? Are there things you remember working on specifically, or are there things that Straight Sand specifically tried to push you to outside of crocheting? Were you on your own?
3: I was on my own. I was on my own, but she was very specific on the set. Mm -hmm. And we had a read-through, and we had some rehearsing. Uh, We all were in London shooting, and um, the first read-through, the guy playing her father.
0: Who's so good. No,
3: no. Wait for it. Oh. The guy playing her father, the film, we read through the whole film. He says, what a beautiful story. And drops dead
1: oh that's right we yes that's yes. right yeah and incredible we're sitting there with at, like pet, the table read right at the yeah table
3: read and uh you know nehemiah persoff was fantastic he came in and and took over but uh that was kind of a tough beginning i was we gonna
0: to cast someone die. over right you that's know we had heard that story and we're like what an incredible story but then to hear you describe it, you're like, well, now I'm thinking about the moment after that now happens where you're dressed you're right. in a room, with a, in a room with a dead person. We're in a room with a dead person. Yeah, that's a very different perception. Uh,
3: yeah, That's the only dead person I've ever seen. I, I was going to ask. I don't think I've... Were you? I, was, I
0: genuinely was. <laughs> I was debating whether or not it was an appropriate question. So
3: I don't think I've ever seen another... I've seen a dead dog. Sure. Well, sure. My My first dog, Meg, I was the one who found her dead on the...
1: Your son is has his head eight, in his hands.
3: The, Meg was eight and was dead on the living room floor. Did I see someone else dead? I shouldn't talk about this.
0: Where are the bodies buried? So he gets
1: me? he gets replaced, that actor, right? The the dad is uh Nehemiah Nehemiah Persoff. Nehemiah Persoff, Right, right, right.
3: Um I don't know how I remembered that part. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: a great Good job poet. by you. It's a great name. Yeah, incredible name. But I guess you're mostly acting with Barbara, Avi, I'm trying to think who you're... And Mandy. And Mandy. Like, you know, right. And her, her, my parents. Yes. Who played my your parents? Uh,
3: Stephen Stephen Hill? Stephen Hill, Stephen right? Hill, who was kosher. Yes. So, like, during the din- dinner scenes, behind his plate, his real food would be so he could eat wow. <laughs> during the scenes. Yeah. And he'd have to be finished at a certain time.
0: We talked about this, but he was so kosher that it killed his career for decades.
3: You think? Yeah. they think Wasn't he, he could, like on Law and Order for... He did Law and Order
0: that's for Zion. post-comeback, but right. he got dropped off of Mission Impossible because he refused to work on the Sabbath. Yeah, well. I mean, they need you to, you know,
1: do whatever it is. Put, you put your masks on on Saturday. Or your whatever.
0: mission, if you choose to accept it, work <laughs> on a Friday. Flip a light switch. Um, You're
1: shooting in London, right?
3: Only in London mm-hmm. and Czechoslovakia.
1: Exteriors for the with exteriors. Czechoslovakia. Right, 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 right. And yeah, what's... What's barbara like as a as a filmmaker?
3: I felt like I was in great hands. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman does her homework.
2: Mm-hmm. it's she, her first film. it's her
3: first film, but she is so ready. And she knows to hire a David Watkins, who's, like a brilliant cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Um, we called him Sleepy Watkins because uh, he had um. <laughs> I th- believe he had narcolepsy and we'd find him asleep.
1: It's it's on his Wikipedia page that is he it? was notorious for sleeping on set. Yeah, yes, yeah, in between but he's,
3: setups. He's, his, his work is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But she surrounded herself with amazing people. I mean, the script supervisor was a filmmaker. Um, oh, wow. Um, um, Zelda Baron. She's a brilliant woman mm-hmm. who made her own films as well, but she had, you know... Rightfully so. When you're starring in a film, you need an outside eye. And and Zelda was very good to have for that. And as well as um, Rusty Lemon. Rusty. There were various people there keeping an eye on her, you know, to make sure while she's directing, she doesn't forget about the acting. Rusty Lemirande. Um
0: Not to be insensitive, but Uh-oh. if you've had an actor die at a table read. It must have had people really on edge working with a narcoleptic DP. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, I guess that that could be make you nervous, but we knew that.
0: Okay. We knew that. okay, so you knew it going on. He, also, he lived another, like, 20, 30 years after that. I didn't so, say he was dying, but I'd, just, <laughs> I'd be worried all the time. Anytime you see someone responsive in the corner of the room. I just was another
3: dead—no, uh, he didn't die, that's right. When we were doing Coast of Utopia, mm-hmm. the man who— uh, 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 Richard Easton was my husband. I played his wife in the first part. Um, he had a heart attack on the stage. Wow, oh, God. And literally, um, he's Jack O'Brien's best friend. So Jack and I are holding hands while the paramedics are there doing the, the the what do you call
0: the it? The paddles, the, the defibrillator. Yeah, his legs
3: going and everything. I mean, literally, uh, Ethan Hawke was, you know, is there a doctor in the house? It was that kind of moment, wow. you know? So that, uh, he's, he survived, so that was
1: Be- good.
0: The audience are like, this is interesting. Stoppard's really, you know, he's taking an interesting route here, you know. Yeah. I worked with an actor once, I think he, he now has since passed, but who had a heart attack, what was he doing? A streetcar named desires His guy named Jerry Grayson. And his big thing he would brag about all the time was that he still did the second act of the show. That he had a heart attack in intermission. I don't know if that's worth bragging about, Jerry. He yeah. bragged about it a lot.
3: It does sound kind of strange stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I take care of yourself, dear.
3: Really? Go to the hospital.
1: Um is My she,
3: father died of a heart attack, so I can say that.
1: Yeah. Is she Barbara like is she giving you notes like while you're, you know, I feel like when you're actor director, there's an awkwardness to like you're doing a scene together and then cut and then lean right in, you know, like is is that sort of a tricky territory to navigate like an actor giving you notes, essentially, because they're also the filmmaker.
3: Well, you know, that's what it was. So I guess I didn't feel it was weird at all. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Do you have... Because I feel it's very different for actors. Like, there's not a a universal acting language, right? It's such a bizarre profession. Yeah. And it's, it's such a bizarre art form, and it gets more bizarre when it's made into a profession and there's money and pressure on it, right? And it's so internalized, and it's using your own body... That when people talk about an actor who is, quote unquote, good with directors or uh, director, sorry, who is good with actors or knows how to talk with to actors, it's like, well, there's no universal thing there.
3: No, but a good director knows that you can't have there's not one way to talk to an actor. Exactly. Because each actor needs something different. Knows how to shift to different. Some some direct some actors want line readings. Some Mm. actors don't want line readings ever. Some don't want anything. Some want. You know, to tell you what you had for breakfast. I mean, I mean, just there's everybody has needs. So the director has to become a psychologist, right? You know, you have to have a sensitivity to people to be able to get get what you can. I mean, uh, 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 I'm so bad with names.
0: Hey, you pulled uh, her dad at the yeah. Yeah, No, Lyamara
3: off, That's I I shot my wad. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Are you a specific film? Or are you trying to remember? Uh, the, uh,
3: just the most famous, wonderful director that ever lived, whose house I lived in. You know this. Thank you,
0: Ilya Kazan. Ilya Kazan. Oh, sure, you know, he would before well, he go.
3: directed anybody. He'd you know take you out and right. and 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 For talk sure. to you and find out your deepest pain and and tap into that. You know, get there. Um, uh, when I was working with uh, De Palma, he didn't. It was our first film, Carrie, so he didn't know me as well yet. So when he needed me to cry, he doesn't know me yet, so he doesn't know that all you have to do is say, I need you to cry, and if you could make it through the left, left eyeball, that would be preferable to me. You could do that with me. Sure. But he didn't know that. So he had... He had, uh, uh, Betty Buckley get behind the camera who was playing the gym teacher and ball me out for throwing Tampax and Modas <laughs> at Carrie, you know, and, Which and you shouldn't have done to be I clear. Really, I, 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 know I gave up. <laughs> I, I let Billy go to the Billy me That's his real Uh, to the prom. But, um, yeah, no, uh, 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 so yeah, I cried because Betty's pretty good at hurling those abuses and, uh, uh. It was unnecessary. So you really, yes. you need to, you need to, you know, by the time we did the Fury together, he knew how to, he knew how to help me and hold my hand.
0: <laughs> is there a preferred language for you? Like, what is the thing that is most helpful for a director to do?
3: To t- Say to me? Yeah. You're perfect. You want... Go with... In- no, actually, um, I do not, I, I don't want to be shut down. So I need to have... An atmosphere that's relaxed, which everybody needs. Uh, Blake Edwards, when we did Mickey and Maud, his set was literally a party. Mm-hmm. And, and to go out there and play was just part of your joy and fun. There sure. was never any discipline involved. And usually he did it all uh, in, a, in a master. So you control the tempo cool. of the the comedy and everything, you know. And I'm out there with Dudley Moore and having so much fun doing. It. But that's that's his way of working, and that's where he gets the relaxation and the humor, whatever. But for something else, that wouldn't necessarily work. Yeah. Um, when I was doing Heartbreak House on Broadway, um, Anthony Page, who's a wonderful English director, we'd do a run through, and he'd be scribbling and scribbling and scribbling, and I'm seeing him scribble, and I'm thinking. Every time I open my mouth, you know, right, you think, oh, God, what am I doing wrong? What am right. I doing wrong? And then he comes and notes were telling you what you're doing right. Mm. And then when you know you're doing right, then you take it to the next step. Yeah, you know, you right. go further. If you keep being told what you're doing wrong, you you you, you
0: get in your head. You're just trying you to correct. It gets in your head.
3: And, and, and I, I, I shut down, you know, so I me personally just keep. Patting me on the back and pushing me forward. You know, just tell me I'm doing fine and I'll, I'll give you more. So Stray Sand,
0: uh, unsurprisingly, seems to keep uh, a very uh, complete archives of everything, every element of everything she's ever worked on. And like the Blu-ray disc for the her movies have so much like just raw, uh, uh, raw takes. Rehearsal footage really, where you're just sort these. of watching process. Um, I'll loan you my copy. No, no. Um, but there's <laughs> really there's, it. <laughs> there's one clip that went semi viral on Twitter like a month or two ago. Uh-oh. That was her in the sort of breakdown confrontation scene where Mandy Patinkin is, is yelling at her after he's found you out.
1: Disrespected the Torah. And right.
0: Yeah, right. And it's you're just watching the raw take of it. And she is directing him mid take. And it felt we were talking about this and David was like, well, that feels like a thing that would usually not be the right move for a director. That's the kind of thing that might piss an actor off. But I felt watching it, that is her very cannily knowing that's actually what she needs to do to get what she wants out of Patinkin, knowing how much tension there maybe was in the relationship between the two of them in the movie, that there's something strategic about her maybe doing something that's pushing his buttons.
3: Really? She wants to piss Mandy off more? <laughs> this is my thought.
1: Every story about this movie, though, is that, right, he was already such an exposed sort of nerve. Like, he was, he was you know, very Mandy upset. Yeah, Mandy was going
3: through a bad time then. I mean, not a bad time. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I don't know him at all. But um, at one point, um, Barbara called me at night, you know, and upset and just, mm-hmm. you know, what did I do? You know, I don't understand why, what, why he doesn't like me, you know, and... Uh, and I and I and I took him aside and I, and I said, you know, Mandy, why do you behave like this? You know, and he says, I can't help it. I just can't help it. I don't want to be this way. I can't help it. And I said, Well, do something about that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think he did, I think he did do something. Later. He I,
3: think he did. I think he's yeah. I think he's mellowed out. totally. And but I feel like about even
1: about in the it. '90s, right? He still had this rep of like he's brilliant, but he's you know.
3: I bet he might have been a little nervous too.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. sure. It's a lot you of know? pressure and the role has a lot of pressure on it, you know, within the movie, but also it's and like, this is how many times Barbara's have you seen movie. Mandy
3: before that as a leading man mm-hmm. with opposite someone like Barbara? That was St- the you know. first one. I
1: mean, well, he's very young,
0: right? I mean, he's is probably that in his late 20s or before something. Before or after he drops out of Heartburn. Jesus,
3: well, he I don't have that chronological
1: it, it, heartburn in my head. <laughs> well, I think Heartburn's after. <laughs> okay. uh, but
0: he didn't drop out. He was fired from right. Heartburn. Yes, yeah, right, yes, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But that was a similar thing That's
1: 86. Too difficult. Before this, he'd done, like, he's in ragtime and he's in, uh, you know, but these are supporting roles. These are, you know, this isn't, the movie isn't on him in the same way.
3: But he also, at that time, uh, uh, his wife Catherine was very pregnant Mm -hmm. with their first child. You know, it was a major time in his life. So if he was going through any kind of stress or whatever, discomfort, it's understandable.
1: It's also it's in between him doing Evita oh, and sure. on Broadway and Sunday in the Park and like it's obviously this like rich time in his theater career like hugely rich.
3: That energy
0: was felt on set though. That was that was an overarching. He was not thing. happy. Yeah, right. But the thing of of her directing like that was not something that was de rigueur happening in most scenes that you had with her, right? She was not breaking mid take to sort of direct you. internally I don't internally remember in a
3: her scene. taking mid take. I remember her being. Sometimes off camera, uh, 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 talking me through stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, I know she. I just finished her memoir, which I think is so well done, and I just I found her so moving. I found her infuriating when every time she said <laughs> she was late, because I realized I could never be friends with someone who was late as often as she is. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Welcome Sorry, to Griffin. interesting. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Before you
1: arrived, Griffin, we were talking about uh, uh, lateness.
0: That's all. With reference to who? I don't know. Okay.
3: Yeah. Anyway, but uh, she uh, in it. She talks about uh, watching Ingmar Bergman work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that he would sit on the floor talking up to someone who's on camera, feeding them stuff as mm-hmm. they're acting. You know, and she said she tried that on me too. Uh, that that she enjoyed doing.
0: A lot of your performance is very internal and reactive. And a lot of it's, I mean, cultural of this is a woman who in this time and place would not really be speaking much. It, you know, there's there's sort of your introduction in the movie is this like, oh, what a perfect woman. She stands, she smiles, she hands everything out, you know? So it so much of it has to be going on kind of underneath the skin. It's It's pretty deep into the movie before you really start talking and expressing emotion, <laughs> you know?
3: Yeah, I don't think acting has anything necessarily to do with how many lines you have. No, you know? no, no, no. I think I I like acting without lines. Yeah, less to learn.
0: But she was really <laughs> kind of guiding you through that with specific feelings. Very, and everything. very. Yeah.
3: She knew exactly what she wanted. She conveyed it beautifully, and and the, the clarity was was there. The clarity and the joy, you know. Uh,
0: do you remember there being a significant amount of takes? It does sound like in the reading we've done. That she was persistent. We'll do it till we get it. Whatever.
3: I didn't find she did too many takes. Okay, sure. You know, it's not like this, the Kubrick stories or anything. Right. Well, yes, you know? this is
0: the scale we're trying to establish. <laughs> yeah, of like... I
3: don't, I don't, I don't think she she reached that scale. You know, it was also she wasn't able to like watch things on right as it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to know it's there before you move on. Yes, but she knew when she had it.
1: Do you you rewatch, like, have you rewatched Gentle or do you not look at your movies? I
3: haven't, but uh, I may soon because um, my mother's 99 years old. She lives near me um, in an assisted living. And once a month, she and I present movies there Nice, um, because she and I did six or seven movies together. So we just ran out of the movies that we did together. Mm. She's been there a while, and uh, (laughs) and so like last Saturday, I did uh, *Bossa Nova*, a film that gave my son Gabriel's father directed. Um, And I said to mom, you know, you gotta. She keeps wanting to come up with. She keeps coming up with films that I just don't think this group is gonna like. But uh, I uh, we we just decided the next one might be *Yentl*, so I might watch it. in a few weeks.
1: Uh, I mean, that sounds great. So, have you watched Carrie w- at the with with this crowd? Because you, your is your mom in Carrie? Yeah, we did. Yeah. She, yeah,
3: my mom plays my mom in Carrie. She's the one yeah. who collects me at the when I'm hysterical
1: at the end. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah, do, yeah. Do you ever think about how you're in the most famous twist ending a movie ever had? Basically,
3: yeah. Yeah, and you know what? When I saw it, first of all, when I read it, because before I know this is about Yento, but I'm going to go on to Carrie Please here. But um, talking about Carrie because. Um, the ending for the film was not written when we started shooting. Right, right, right. So, and in the book, Sue Snell, my character survives, but they were coming up with all these other ideas, whatever, and they hadn't figured it out yet. And there was like a campaign, you know. I mean, Betty Buckley was campaigning, you know, and everyone was wanting, wanting a piece. When they finally wrote it, and I saw what it is with the hand coming out, and. It didn't read that exciting right. or it frightening, a silly. you know? So I thought, oh, shit, And I'm the only one in the scene. This is not good. <laughs> and so then we shot it, and it was great because Sissy insists on being buried alive, you know? Cool. So it's her hand coming out of the rocks, and 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 Brian is, you know, uh, you have to walk very beautifully across these stones barefoot, and I'm like, but, but... And it really hurts. He goes, oh, but you need to glide. It's a dream, you know? And we had so much fun on that, and, and then... I went and watched the movie uh, by myself, and I knew the hand was coming out and stuff, so I wasn't scared. And I just thought.
0: You thought it did work? It does not work. Wow.
3: It does not work. And I was a little embarrassed about it. Then I went to the preview in Hollywood. um, I think it was Halloween night or something. And the whole audience jumped out of their seats and scared the shit out of me. So I went, oh, I guess it works.
0: I just want to call out that when you said uh, Sissy insisted on being buried alive, Ben's eyes went wide. <laughs> He's been glowing. I love the commitment. That's
3: it's right. like your jeans. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But hopefully
0: she didn't get corroded as badly <laughs> well, as Well, right. She shouldn't she spend be in long. there for a couple hours. <laughs> like right. were, yeah. Yeah. Um, not about uh, Yentl specifically, but in the Yentl era. era. Uh, am I wrong in thinking at different points you were almost going to do both of the first two Indiana Jones movies? No. No. Just the first. Just the first one. Okay, but that would have been before this. Before Yentl. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. 82. The first one comes out 81. Yeah. It was in the period where you were treading the boards. Am I wrong about this?
3: Yeah. Uh, no, you're not wrong about this. I was going to do it. Um, I ended up Calling for another man. Mm. And that just put a damper on Stephen's yeah. desire to put me in that movie. Sure, sure.
0: <laughs> the other man was Yantel, by the way, right? It was. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, but it's interesting. Uh, 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 Barbara takes credit for not only my marriage to Stephen, but my birth of Max. I mean, she, she thinks that um, she, she, uh, Stephen asked to see uh, dailies
0: uh-huh. of me. Specifically,
3: yeah, so uh, we and
0: you'd had, also feel free to throw some patenkin in there too, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. But I mean, we had dated and we broke up, mm-hmm, and right. uh, uh, it was years later. And uh, he asked Barbara if he could see some cut together footage of me.
0: Wow, wow, he was
3: in London, and she said sure, and she showed it. And the next thing we know, uh, he's uh, in India, where I'm shooting a miniseries for HBO. And uh, he starts to woo me again after that. So she's decided that she brought us back together.
0: I, I like the idea of this as being the most high-level Hollywood pre-social media version of obsessively looking at your ex's ex- Instagram.
3: There you go. How's there she doing go. without me? Do <laughs> there I you miss go. her? There you
0: go. And you're just getting <laughs> 35 millimeter dailies from yet. Anyway, it worked. It and, worked.
3: Yeah, and he so oh, she also thinks that uh, I got pregnant because uh, I had confessed to her that uh, I was really sad that uh, Stephen was on the fence about starting a family, and I was ready and stuff. And she knew she knew that made me sad, and uh, she came to my, I think it was my thirtieth birthday party, and she gave me as a gift baby clothes. Wow. And. At the time, it, I was a little kind of, I had mixed feelings about it. Kind of a passive aggressive yeah. gift in a way. I had mixed feelings right. about it, but I got pregnant that night. So she takes credit Jesus. for that too.
0: <laughs> I mean, as you said, Barbara Streisand gets what she wants. And what she, she wanted exactly. at that time was for you to have a baby. Also, I guess so. She's such a myth maker.
1: And this is a perfect example of that, where mm-hmm. she's like, ah, oh, it's all me. And you're yeah. like, I kind of can't dispute it, Barbara. You know, sure. <laughs> she
3: is magical that way. I have another, I have a story she might not love, but. Um, Barbara, uh, when we went to Czechoslovakia, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we, uh, you notice I'm not talking about how she directs. I mean, it's all personal. I, look, whatever. I, don't, I don't pay attention enough, I guess, you know. <laughs> I'm not like Bradley Cooper. I'm not learning <laughs> in her side, you know. He, uh, but uh, we went to Czechoslovakia, and the hotel there, the Intercontinental, had a, a, a spa. Right. And uh, the night before my first day of shooting there, I decided to go have a massage. sure. And uh, I, I was really high.
1: Mm-hmm. Congrats. Thank you. That dank Czechoslovakian weed.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I went down there and this guy gave me this massage. And at one point, and I'm really enjoying it so much. And then I started to think I'm on my stomach and he's starting to massage me from my ankle down to the top of my leg. And he seems to be doing that for a long time. <laughs> And then I start thinking, are his fingers mm. being a little bit daring there? Sure. I don't know. And then he goes on the other side, and I'm not sure. Is he being inappropriate or not? I'm not sure.
0: It's borderline.
3: It's borderline, but I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's really, I'm really having a nice time. And then he turns me over and he starts to not be so subtle. And I said, nah, right, sure. I can't go there with you, honey. Sure. You know, and then that morning, first day shooting with Barbara, I'm st- we're standing around the camera and I'm telling her and the crew this story. Uh-huh. Barbara booked that man every night for the rest of the shoot. <laughs> oh, God, this is a woman who knows what she wants. She knows wants. what she wants. She, she gets hears her.
1: that and she's like, sounds I, good.
3: I chapeau to her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. I doffed my, my yeshiva cap to her.
3: Yep. Yep.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Um, that you rocks. guys
3: are all red. No.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a great
0: story.
3: I mean, really red, you guys.
0: No.
1: Barbara could do what she wanted to. That's between Elliot and Brolin, right?
0: Like, she's a, yeah. she's a free lady. Post Peters. Uh, yes. He was not on set at all, right? Yes, this was he, was he was. But he was not a producer on it, right? This was like her firmly saying I need to make a movie without him, but he was around.
3: Um not much. As a matter of fact, um he was in Czechoslovakia. I don't I don't remember seeing him in in London, but I remember him in Czechoslovakia and he and I drove out to the location in Zagreb together. I remember Zagreb. I don't know, and uh, uh, he he did he did he was very upset that she would put a do not disturb on her phone at night, oh, and yeah. he'd be in LA wanting to talk to her, and it was like she's she's not only the star, but the director and the producer. She's got and, you know, really, how long? yeah.
1: peter you? How long do you stay? Like, are you still in touch with Barbara, or like, how do you stay in touch with her much after the movie? Like, does is there a long, long lasting friendship? I don't know. You
3: know, uh, we we kind of had a little falling out mm. um she knows why we had we talked about it i don't i don't carry we, it around you we're know? not
1: here to rehash beefs so yeah not, you know, but uh, there was
3: a, there was a little beef and uh and it just you know we're, we're civil with each other i've i've been to see her shows i've gone backstage you know sure but uh i don't and i'd kind of like to write a, a thank you a, a, a fan letter for her book because i thought that was really beautifully done it's
1: short though <laughs> i know
3: <laughs> anyway. I
1: can barely use it to prop things open. I mean, it's just, you I'd know. like to
3: send a fan letter. I, I have two fan letters to write to her and to Bradley Cooper. Because maestro, you're so such a so maestro brilliant. fan. Well, I just saw it yesterday.
0: Fair enough. Okay,
3: right. but I am a big fan. I think, and I think Bradley Cooper's genius. I will put that down.
0: Wow. We, we or- have been making the argument, or at least I've been making the argument that I do think Bradley Cooper's career is proceeding in a slightly Barbara esque way. Right. He even does. Star is born. They're very different performers. Right. Yes, but I think there's some commonality between them as directors. And just as like this sort of multi-hyphenate,
1: like, I write, I act, I direct, I produce, I sing, I, you know, this. And
3: I know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. Yes.
3: That's what they both really know what they're doing. Yeah.
0: And there's that, that era of Eastwood and Redford and Costner and Beatty and all these sort of A-list leading men who went on to also become directors and filmmakers and whatever. But I think in a way that most similar to and St. Bradley Cooper is making movies that are kind of dissecting his star persona. You know? Like, he's not just making films and also happening to star in them. Sure. It's not just he's putting himself into things that interest him. It feels like he's, in a way that feels very strange, I mean, we've been reading all these quotes from her, but that her movies really feel like her trying to process elements of herself. And she talks about Yentl being this film about like her relationship to her father, who died when she was a baby, too young to remember. You know, it's like a movie of her trying to communicate with her father. Clearly, yeah, but can you hear me? It's (laughs) right there.
3: It's all about her father. It's actually kind of
0: rude that Papa doesn't sing back.
1: Can I ask Oscar story? Wait, who who beat you? Not to not to dredge up old memories. Frame it that way. I'm so sorry. Who won the Oscar? Who? Yeah, they don't. Oh, that's
3: an. You know, it's funny. When I was nominated, uh, I I knew I wasn't going to win. And I sat down uh, next to Jim Brooks, who he was there for Terms of His Year. That was his big year. And he turned to me and he said, Nick the Greek, I just read that you're two to one. And I was like, so I was sweating bullets. <laughs> that
1: you might have to give a speech. Brooks yeah, right. so
3: I'm the only woman in the world, I believe, who was <laughs> so relieved when Linda Hunt got called. Linda oh. Hunt,
1: right, well, that's a great that's performance. for the Year of Living yeah. Day. Very unusual thing. performance. Yes.
3: But it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I remember my agent at the time, Nicole David, uh, handled both of us. And uh-huh. so she asked me to sign her program at the Oscars. And I wrote, if you think Linda Hunt playing a man is a stretch, catch Amy Irving as a virgin. <laughs>
1: It's a it's a loaded category. Uh, there's Cher
0: for Silkwood. There's Glenn Close for The Big Chill. And there's Alfre Woodard for Cross Creek. These are all great actors. But but you felt a genuine sense of relief at not having to get up there.
3: Absolutely. I didn't have anything to say. Uh, uh, I wasn't ready. And I don't like award ceremonies. I don't care about those things so much, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, I remember I won a, a, um, an Obie for... Uh, uh, Road to Mecca. Road to America. And yep. uh, I wasn't going to go. And they called and they said, we think you should come. <laughs> and uh, so I knew I was winning. Sure. And I was still a nervous wreck. Yeah. You know, I just, it's just, I don't, I don't, I never felt comfortable getting up and talking as myself. Seems
1: unbelievably stressful to me. Like oh, yeah. going to an awards ceremony where I'm not nominated or whatever. Sure, fine. It's a party. But no, the idea that I might have to get up there in front of everybody it's and crazy. seem natural and seem... Graceful. Articulate. And right, and make you sure know. you thank
3: all the right people. And, and if you don't
1: thank this person, they're never gonna let you hear and the I, end of it. I, right. I,
3: I do believe, you know, if if five actors play Hamlet, you know, go ahead and vote on on which one played the best Hamlet. Right, but, but how
1: do you well, can That fair. sounds like a Netflix, like, competition. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> Hamlet game.
2: Winner
3: yeah. ratings on that one. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> no, but I think, look, David is uh, a similarly big Oscar bigger Oscar nerd than I. Um, but uh, like uh, for, for freaks like us with broken brains, it it is a game I love to play of like watching the YouTube videos of the awards being handed out and just rewinding and looking at each individual, right? (laughs) And it's a thing that is studied, right? Of like who seems pissed off, who does quote unquote a good performance of acting gracious. But now I want to rewatch and see if I can read the genuine relief in your face.
3: (laughs) You will probably see it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, yeah, and there's only
1: there's just that one second of everyone's faces yes. before you cut to okay. Now she's taking the stage, but that and,
0: must be like to me. That seems like the most nerve wracking part is there's now a camera guy like three inches away from you in the aisle, waiting. Look for You Very happy
1: face. and you're clapping. You, know, as, as, Are you uh, got it. Oh, I got it. Oh yeah, dang internet, you can get anything. Uh, Linda Hunt's got a great. Outfit. I
3: got such a bad review for my dress.
1: Really? really? Yeah. This sort of said, white dress. This, it's, uh, yeah. uh,
3: well, Ralph Lauren uh, dressed me, and I and he put me because I was a Santa Fe girl he, and a hippie. You know, he put me in a he dressed me perfectly for me. He had me in a in an antique white blouse with a long velvet mm-hmm. skirt and a concho belt because it was all very Santa Fe. This is a good look. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. You know? And and lace up uh, uh, antique boots. You know, and they said I looked like Little House on the Prairie. Rude. I thought they are all rude. They're
1: always so mean.
3: They're so mean. Then the next year I was pregnant. Thank you, Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, I uh, presented. and fell off the stage. You
1: Did fell you really? off the stage
0: yeah. at the well, Oscars. Well, they
3: had a they had a not the full stage. But they like had, the a, they lip, had a they had a well they had a, a, a circular circle.
0: You pulled a Kelsey well, Grammer. You fell in the gap. I, yeah.
3: No, they it started to move and I I and I oh, started wow. to fall and actually I think it was Pierce Brosnan saved me. God, Young you
0: know Pierce what? Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> We've been talking about Pierce a lot on the He on is Catherine so charming. Like, this is what we keep saying. And, and his biz. wife is so lovely.
1: And they've they've been together for a zillion
3: yes, years, right? They're, they're one of those yes, Hollywood couples. I don't couples, know them yeah. well, but every time I've ever met them and him, oh, he's a he's a heartthrob.
0: Pierce has come up a, a weirdly large amount. Sing well (laughs) but we were arguing there's something I'm with you there's something endearing about it there's something endearing about it one time one time that's that's it he maybe has the worst singing voice of anyone I've ever heard in a movie musical but the the energy behind it is pretty charming uh,
1: I think we should wrap Griffin but is there anything else we should uh, you know any any other memory we're dredging for I don't
3: remember (laughs) anything else (laughs) <laughs> I think uh, you got all my stories.
1: Did <laughs> you ever, you know, tell Barbara like, you know, don't talk to me too harshly? I made John Casavetes explode with my mind. You know, did you ever <laughs> to say that? To lord over people, yeah. Nah, I
2: don't
1: uh, no. do that. Um, <laughs> You know, you, you don't threaten <laughs> to blow
2: anyone up with your mind. I'll well, Cassavetes I... the hell out of you. <laughs> Um, I mean, do you want to talk about Slow Christmas, your experience working oh, on that? Yes, let's so oh, briefly mention oh, that. Oh,
1: my
3: goodness. I'm, I I have a new career now. My yes. son, Gabriel Davis Barreto, has convinced me to start singing. And he put me together with this incredible band called Ghoulis. And we recorded our first album, which is kind of a memoir album. And we've just done our second album, which is all Willie Nelson. And out of the blue, we get this invitation. Who Who asked us?
2: I believe it was Justin Schmidt from Missing Peace Group had reached out, correct? There we go. Reached
3: out to Gabriel and said they were doing this slow. This was the fifth season that they're fifth. fifth.
2: Well, it is actually, it's technically the third slow Christmas, but I started at zero. So it's the fourth.
3: (laughs) So it's the fourth slow Christmas and they asked us to, and we very nicely asked us to contribute. Yes. So, um, uh, uh, Two of the members of the band and myself got together in my apartment and we threw this threw a song together at We Three Kings. And I'm very proud of it. It really came out really nicely. And so we're excited. I guess it comes out on the 24th. Uh,
2: it's it's really awesome. And uh, we are going to be releasing this in the new year in January. But uh, the, the next recording session we're doing, which is we're, we're going to be covering Maestro, we're Going to actually be promoting the release of the album. Oh, so, yeah, right. So um, Christmas if anything, album. people have already heard it'll be available this now, right? Yeah, this is early yeah. January. It'll already be right. available, but if they haven't checked it out, they should sh- they should listen on wherever they get music to uh, Slow Christmas and, Three and your album, is Three Kings
1: Born in a Trunk, right?
2: Is that the first the, album the first is Born al-
1: in a Trunk, right?
2: Yes, that's, that's a Judy Garland song, right?
1: Am I crazy?
3: There is a song called "Born in the Trunk." We don't—I don't sing that one. Oh, but uh, right. "Born in the Trunk" is—you uh, know—I was brought up on the stage. I was put on the stage when I was nine months old. Right. My dad had uh, a theater. My mom was the lead actress in the company. All three of us kids were put on the stage. So my first role was the baby in Rumble Stillskin. Hence, there's a song from Rumble Stillskin <laughs> yes. on the album. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: It, it's—I—I I, I saw your review that you did at City Winery, which was so fantastic. Rumpel but the—the the album, well, you know what? You're you could have been there if you wanted. Didn't invite me. I I invited Richard Lawson so, Uh <laughs> Brennan Tat. I'll um, do it
3: again. Well,
0: I was gonna ask you, are you gonna do another show? Well, Anytime when soon. we
3: launch the new album, okay. we'll wait, definitely wait. do another show and I'll incorporate the first album songs with this. With, yeah, we'll have we'll be able to do a little bit longer concert because yeah. I only had 10 songs.
0: But no, but what I love about the album, the show you did is, as you said, it's like a bit of an autobiography and you're sort of tracking your career through the songs of the projects. And some of them are things that you sung in those movies and some of them aren't. Right. And some of them are songs that affect your life, you know. Um, no Yentl songs, but you did talk about Yentel on stage. Well,
3: yes, I didn't think I should follow that act. <laughs> sure,
0: right. 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 Yeah. Leave the Barbara. singing
3: to Barbara. Right. sure. Yes. sure.
0: Uh, but you did the song from Carrie, and then the, the uh, Why Don't You Do Right.
3: Why Don't You Do Right, yes. Yeah. We did a completely different rendition. I mean very good. J-Gules, Jules is a really incredible arranger, you know. And Willie Nelson had written a song for me called Waiting Forever For You, and he sang on it with me. Um, yeah, no, there's some really beautiful... Really terrific things on that. So, yeah, I'm having fun doing that. I uh, I have z- very little interest in doing anything else but saying hey, that. Yeah. That's well,
2: cool. Um, well, thank you again. I thank really you appreciate for, Thank you
3: for having me. Of come
1: And come back anytime, honestly. Just, I
3: can see why you want to do it in person. It does make a difference, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah,
1: we hate yeah. Zoom. We hate Zoom. Especially yeah.
0: after the pandemic. We're sick of Zoom. We you did. Know? We did it off Zoom. 18 months of nothing but. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know, I, just to wrap it up, I know you said, uh, you know, you, you don't particularly uh, seek out awards. That's not what what you do it for. Do you feel like being asked to be part of Slow Christmas Volume 3 was a greater <laughs> honor than the Academy Award nomination? Where do you rank the God. two of them in terms of, like, transformative oh. moments in your career, which felt more validating? It's time to go, Griff. Yeah, it's time to wrap up. She's I'm,
1: thinking about it.
2: I'm thinking. It. Time to
0: put She's you in a trunk. Thinking.
1: She's
2: thinking about it.
3: No, I think the Oscar might. The Oscar is better. better. Okay,
2: Ben. And I'm not offended at
0: all. (laughs) Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Nice to see you again.